We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash B-E. I think if we're going to make big changes in our education system, we got to do things a little bit different. We can't be afraid uh, to step out and, and do something different. And it's not about compromising on uh, expectations or compromising on qualifications or anything like that. There are folks that are super qualified that just don't have the opportunity based on uh, the, the processes that we go through. So I, I think it's important for, for leaders to, to, to hear that and, and, and not be afraid. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. As a current middle school principal, Demetrius is committed to creating a climate and school culture that's welcoming and inclusive for all students and staff members and sees strong relationships as the key to helping students and staff thrive. Demetrius is constantly developing his knowledge and skills through connections and reflection. He's a graduate of the United States Military, West Point, New York. After graduation, he served five years as a field artillery officer in the Army, completing two tours in the Middle East. He lives in Northern California with his wife, Falu, his West Point classmate, and four children. I have to say, I'm in the Better Leaders, Better Schools mastermind with Demetrius, and I count myself lucky for getting to talk to him weekly and do other things with him. He's helped me out with some suggestions and so forth, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and thanks for coming on, Demetrius. I appreciate it. No problem, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. So, Let's jump right into it. I know you've had a journey up to the principalship, and um, if you want to touch on that a little bit and just talk about what what are you passionate about with school and leadership? Sure. So uh, as you mentioned in my bio, I was in the Army for five years, and uh, I knew that I was probably only going to stay in on active duty for that five years, and I wanted to get into education. And so I uh, started working on my master's in secondary education uh, while I was still on active duty. And so I had a pretty, you know, it was, it was a blessing, my, my transition, because I went straight from active duty to going into student teaching for a semester. And then I ended up getting hired at the school that I did my student teaching at. So it was just a, a, a really kind of rapid process and in, in getting in, right into the classroom. And I got into education because I had an outstanding um, 
middle school and high school principal. She was my mentor still to this day, Dr. Crates. And she was like my mom at school and just was a great example of being passionate about your students and being passionate about your your teachers. And so I got to a point in, in uh, my junior year of high school, like, you know what, I think I can do that. I think I I, I want, you know, students and, and people to feel the way that she makes me feel. And I think I can do that. So uh, I decided before the opportunity to go to West Point came that I wanted to get an education and become a, a principal. And so long story short, uh, I spent eight, eight years in the classroom, uh, got my admin credential while I was in Maryland. Uh, I didn't get an assistant principal position after applying for almost a year. Um, my wife is from out here in the Bay Area. So I decided to give it a go out here since some uh, applications and uh, ended up getting an offer out here. And um, it, it's been great. Uh, I spent three years as an assistant principal and now I'm in year three as a building principal in a middle school here in, here in Salem. That's so awesome. And so, and you asked about, you know, you know what I'm passionate about at school. Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you, you hit it in the, in that, um, in that bio. I think I got into this to help build confidence in students and, and confidence in staff and just to feed into them. My leadership experience is, is always really been about helping people grow and helping people get better. And so that's what I'm passionate about doing, helping my staff grow, helping them, you know, giving them opportunities to, to try new things, um, what they're interested in, being welcoming to, to our students and to our staff, just that, that community and, and not just students and staff, but our families as well. Um, I'm really fortunate. I actually live in the community. So all my neighbors are kids that either go to my school or will go to my school. And, uh, and so I see them around town. You know, my, my son is, is a seventh grader at, the, at my middle school. And just like being part of the community is really important to me. And, and I just want everyone to feel like this is home. This is where we're growing. This is where we're getting challenged. And this is where we're getting better. That's cool. And what all that just made me think of so many different things. But one of the things is, and I, I always talk about supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers and asking people to blow back up to help leaders. But I think you hit on something, Demetrius, that's super powerful that will, will help leaders in a big way. You talked about living in your community. And a lot of times leaders say how that's not a good thing. And that they get, you know, they get worried about who they're going to see in the grocery store, so to speak, or if they can mow their lawn and have a drink after, have a beer after. What's that like living in your community and how does that actually help you build a positive community around your school? It's, you know, I really enjoy it. Uh, I've been fortunate that just that every, almost every school that I've worked in, I've lived in the community. So I see my kids, I see my, my parents and my families. You know, sometimes it, it can be challenging, especially with my well, with my son at school and, you know, connecting with his his friends and, and their parents and things like that. But but I feel like my parents know me. And I, I how do I say this? Um, not like I'm on all the time, but I'm on all the time. And I don't have a problem with that. Like I'm, I'm the same person I am at school that I am at home in the neighborhood when I'm at the grocery store and all those different things. And, and, and it feels good when parents do see me in the grocery store or kids see me, um, you know, at the, at the local restaurant and they feel comfortable coming up and saying, hi, it's good to see you and all those types of things, because no matter what, you know, I, and it's funny because 
Um, I also think about this, the social media component, because I'm, I'm part of Better Leaders, Better Schools, because I got active on Twitter and because I became active in that way. And, you know, I heard folks like, oh, you know, you got to have uh, your personal social media and you got to have your professional social media. And I, I was I was listening to a, a, one school leader and they're like, I'm the same person every place. Why do I need to have multiple different you know, accounts, one for school, one for my personal, like I'm the same. I, I, if, if, if I'm going to say it at school, like I'm going to say it at home. If I'm going to say it at home, I should be comfortable to say it at school or vice versa. So I, I think that it's, it's a, it's really cool. It's really important. And I think about the investment that, that I'm making, like I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not running from anybody. Like so many people know where I live yeah. and, and it, it's, and, it, and it's good. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about anything, you know, happening and you know, things happen, they happen. But, but the bottom line is like, I'm invested in this community. And I think that um, people understand that because, uh, you know, I've always wanted to be part of a school where I want my kids to come and I'm no, no doubt I want my kids to be in my school and, and I'm proud of the things that we do and, uh, you know, I'm proud of the things that I, that, that I do. And that's why I, I really enjoy living in our community and, uh, and having people, uh, you know, know who I am, know, know what we do and all those things. That's, that's awesome. The authenticity all the way through. That's, I mean, you are who you are. And it's funny because I've heard the same thing about per- personal and professional on social media. And um, it's so true. I've, I've got two different Facebook pages just one professional and, and one personal, but uh, Twitter, no, I'm all the same. And I remember starting out when I first started, I was like, okay, I've got my personal Twitter. I've got my professional Twitter. And then I don't know whether it was BLBS or probably running into another leader like yourself saying, I, I am who I am. And I sat down and thought about it. And I said, you know, Chris, you, you are, I mean, I just, it, who I am, what you see is what you get, as I always say. And so it makes so much more sense to just have that one, that one profile. You, um, so the military, right? You knew you wanted to be a principal and educator early. And I was lucky enough to go to an educator's workshop with the Marines. And I don't know if you've heard of those or anything like that, but they take a bunch of teachers and they bring them down to basic. And, um, you know, it's so we can learn more about the military, things like that. So we can talk to kids about choices post high school and so forth. And, um, I'm wondering are there any are there any lines or similarities or what are those similarities like or is it just a completely different world between leadership in a school and leadership in the military pluses minuses things like that and what what could leaders learn from you through your experience in the military before leading a building I, I think there are a lot of similarities I think one of the things that I learned in my time in the military was that you know, if you can lead, you can lead um, no matter what the situation, no matter what the organization, if you have what it takes to lead, you know, men and women in the military uh, to complete a mission. Um, if you if you understand, you know, the resources that it takes, you understand how to get people to go from point A to point B when they don't want to. You can do that in any organization. And that's probably one of my biggest takeaways. You know, there's all sorts of things that are similar. There are all sorts of things that are different. I think, you know, when you're part of any type of organization, there's always, you know, bureaucracy that you have to go through. Um, When you got this 
great, wonderful idea and you are ready to go execute because you think it's the best thing. But you talk to that commander and they're like, no, I, I don't think that's the best way to go. And it's the same thing as a building principal. Uh, you you talk to your your director, your assistant superintendent or superintendent. Uh, no, nah, I don't think we're going to try that. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, there, there are things that the folks above you see that you don't see. And even as a building principal with the autonomy that we have, um, the responsibility that we have, there's still things that we, we don't see on the, on the bigger, bigger picture, the, the higher level. And sometimes you've got to deal with that and you've got to just, you know, drive on, you know, what's, what's the next option? What are we going to do? What's the, what's the next best thing um, in, in your size or even, you know, getting, getting feedback and getting that perspective. I think also one of the things that I learned that's really important is that when you get a directive from a commander or supervisor, you've got to own that. And even if it's something that you don't want to do or you disagree with, obviously it's not something that's unethical, but you've got to carry out a mission. You as the leader, you have to own that. And I, I see so many times where, you know, when I, when I was on active duty, like, hey guys, we got to go do this X, Y, and Z, you know, the, the battalion commander says we have to do it. And you go in and like, if you have that attitude and you convey that to your soldiers or whoever you're in charge of, they're going to take on that same attitude. Like, oh, commander, you know, Captain Ball don't want to do this. We shouldn't be doing this. And then you're going to get a poor effort you know, and in the military, someone can get hurt or even worse. And you take that, you know, to, to a building leadership and they're like, hey, we've got this new initiative that we're going to do. And, you know, the, the district says, hey, we're going to try this new thing. You have no like, What? Why are we doing this? But we're doing it. And if I go back to my staff and I'm like, oh, yeah, superintendent says we got to do this. We just got to suck it up. You know, it's only going to last a year and then next year we'll do something different. You can't have that attitude as a building leader because everyone's feeding off of you. And so, you know, again, that's another lesson that really translates is I, as a leader, I have to own whatever it is we're doing. I got to bring the enthusiasm and, you know, commitment, no matter whether I you know, kind of agree with it, don't agree with it at all. This is what we're doing. Hey, we're going to push forward and we're going to do our best no matter what. That's awesome. You, you know, so let's, let's take this down to uh, the, the education side for a minute and the nitty gritty. You, you said something that's really, that's really powerful. You know, you don't always see the bigger picture. And so you have to, you have to have that trust in your leader above you, or you just have to say, you know what, I, I accept that I don't see the bigger picture. So maybe I don't have the best answer, even though it feels to me like it is. How do leaders get teachers to buy into that? Because that's difficult when you're trying to do that new initiative, right? And you're carrying it with a good attitude, you're, you're bringing the excitement to it, but they just don't see what you see. How can you support them or engage teachers into, into, into owning it and taking responsibility, like you said, and not moping around about it? Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of going through that a little bit right now with um, one of the things that, that I committed to um, when I was still in the classroom and when I became an assistant principal was restorative justice and restorative practices. Um, my first year was our, um, as, as principal, was uh, the year we went out, March 2020, on COVID. And so I was really just getting my, my, my feet wet 
on campus and I really wasn't able to bring, you know, those practices to the building. But um, this year um, we've taken on the, the task and the mission to bring, to build more community and use restorative justice and restorative practices uh, in, our, in our class and in our, in our building. And, you know, I brought in someone to help us, you know, do training, help us um, staff and give us, um, give us tools and different strategies. And at the same time, helping us reflect on who we are and how we show up in our building. And so there's been, you know, some resistance and some, um, you know, oh, one more thing. Why are we trying this? You know, we tried this 10 years ago. This isn't very good. And so, you know, put out some surveys. Um, I've talked to, you know, some of those teacher leaders that folks really depend on in our school and, you know, getting their insights and getting their thoughts. And having some one-on-one conversations has really opened my eyes to why folks are resistant and what um, the perception is of, you know, just one more thing on our plates. But when I get down to it, I always go back to we have to help our students feel comfortable here at school. And if we focus on building community and we focus on preparing to deal with challenging situations that are coming up, that we are seeing, we will be better prepared to, as a staff to handle it because, you know, those interactions that happen in the class, whether it's, you know, we're seeing a lot of unexpected behaviors with students being back on campus, not really understanding, you know, the boundaries between, you know, their personal boundaries and someone else's personal boundaries. Like they're, they're just not used to that. And, you know, we're working with younger kids, the sixth graders. And the last time they were in a school, for a full year was when they were in fourth grade. And, you know, everyone around the country is, is dealing with the same types of thing. But, you know, going through that process of having conversations about what does it mean to respect someone's personal space. And, you know, we hear a lot of kids like they're, 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 they're pushing each other and they're, and they're stepping on each other's feet and they're taking each other's stuff and, you know, playing keep away. And that's how they're, that's how they're interacting naturally. And, and so when, we're having conversations. It's like, okay, what are we doing to keep everyone safe? And every all the all the practices that we're trying to implement are around that. You know, keeping everyone safe, helping everyone feel comfortable on campus. Because although you may be playing around, someone is in that group isn't necessarily feeling great about what's happening. And so, so I'm hoping that by going into these strategies and these practices that we're preparing our staff to have these conversations. Because I can, as a principal, I can, you know, call an assembly and we, I can have a big discussion. But the fact of the matter is, our students are going to be in classrooms with our teachers. And if our teachers aren't prepared to have these conversations with our students, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of lost. It's going to be lost. And, and I think having the one-on-one conversation with, with staff and um, those teacher leaders in our building is making a difference and helping helping us, you know, spread the message and, and get some more investment in what we're trying to do. So what I'm hearing from that is the idea of getting teachers, getting teachers to own things and and buy into what you're doing by meeting with them individually, not trying to show that you're the all powerful. Here's the mandate. But to, to get that buy-in through one-on-one conversations and bring them into the conversation so that they see they're connected to it. Yeah. And that it's actually part of where they want to go. Yeah. And that constant messaging, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hammering home. Like, we have to understand how we're showing up because how we show up as adults is impacting our students. And so, and then we have to have tools 
to continue to build community. And like, and, and our and our teachers mostly most of them are veterans, and so we we have all these tools already. But guess what? We can still we can still get better. We can still grow. We can still learn. It constantly being all message, and and letting them know that I'm not going to be deterred from from what I want to accomplish. And then also, I've, I've was able to get some some feedback from some students, and I shared that with the staff. And it wasn't necessarily around restorative practices, but it was spoke to my message that we've got kids that don't feel comfortable on campus because of some of these behaviors. And so like that was, I think that was like a light bulb moment for a lot of our staff. Like when the kids are telling you right, right. how they're feeling and what they need, I, I mean, that's, that's why we're here, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, you know, and it's funny. It's, it's sometimes, and I mean, not funny, haha, but Sometimes it takes that if if we can turn things to where the teachers can hear what the students are thinking and, and how the students feel in a very real way. Because, I mean, look, everybody's doing the best they can or the best they know how to. It's not like they're showing up trying not to do well. But sometimes you just, whether it's tradition, whether it's, you know, a, a belief system that's deep-seated within you, you don't always see what you're doing or how other people are taking you. Um, we did a, we did a thing with our ELL students, our English language learners, where I had them come and open up a faculty meeting. And, and, uh, what they did was they handed stuff out just like in a classroom and they did it all in their native language, um, which was they, I believe they did it in Brazilian Portuguese and, um, looking at the teachers trying to follow along, even our world language teachers. And then they're giving them instructions. They're telling them what to do. They're telling them to follow along on a paper and all this. And then they ask them a question. They stop talking. And everybody in the room knows they just asked a question about what they were saying and nobody really has the answer. I mean, that happens in faculty meetings anyways, right? Nobody wants to raise their hand and maybe be wrong. So they were all quiet and the students stopped and they said, you know, as much as you're trying, this is how we feel in your classroom every single day. And just the impact was like, whoa, because then they could finally get it, you know. So there are all kinds of different things that are sometimes difficult to come up with. But the idea that you're bringing teachers in one-to-one is great, which, you know, you said you're talking about what the school looks like and, and the student behaviors that you're seeing, which makes me think, what, what do you think your school should look like for students and teachers? What, like, what are you, what are you hoping if I were to walk into Demetrius's school, what do you want it to look like for people? Yeah, I, I want it to look like, you know, that we're happy, that we're a, a community, that we're connecting, that we're having conversations. If you're, if you're just walking around or you go into the classroom, we're, we got loud, loud classes to our left and to our right because students are engaged. They're having conversations around, you know, rich texts and they're discussing they're they're in labs and they're trying to figure out solutions uh, to to different problems that are exist. You know, maybe it is a, a lab type situation or maybe it's a real world type situation. There's um, just lots, lots of talking, lots to try new things. Um, you know, I, I think about. Uh, if you come in first thing in the morning, you're going to see our, our video production class. They're all over. They're all over campus uh, trying to set um, the, the scene for, for whatever they're going to do on Friday. because They do our morning announcements 
uh, every Friday and they spend the entire week um, filming and, and, and writing and editing and all those types of things. And then, you know, we've got our band room, we've got um, a cooking class and, you know, you've got our core classes and they're reading things. And I, I just, I, I just want to, you should feel a buzz, uh, a high energy level of, uh, of learning and, um, you know, questioning and, and trying new things. And, you know, I, I just want it to be a place where folks are being challenged. Our students are being challenged. Our staff are being challenged. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not there yet where, you know, the kids are even pushing and teaching the teaching teachers. Um, I, I just want us to be, you know, that community that's, that's actively learning. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to transition from, you know, we're learning our content to where we're actually, you know, solving some problems in our community and working with closely with with organizations in our community. Um, we're not there yet, but that's kind of what I envision where we're connecting with. Um, we've got some partnerships with with local um, businesses, but, you know, I want to see that pushed further. I want to see us connecting with some other schools and, and doing some collaboration that way. Um, we believe, again, we, we're, we're in that process. We're in that process right now. Well, there's, I mean, there's no doubt from... Um listening to how you're bringing people in and your messaging and stuff like that, that you're, you're well on your way. And the idea that you're supporting, and this is, I mean, this is the important thing, you know, when we talk about how leaders can get better, one of them is supporting teachers as they take those risks, right. As they step out of their comfort zone and, and engaging them in the whole process till you finally get to empowering. We, we were talking before this recording about a specific story where you supported somebody and works because you have that vision, you know, I don't want to be cliche and say, get the right people on the bus, but you, you know, the type of person you want on the bus. What I want to do first is take a quick sponsor break and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll hear about that story. Today's podcast is brought to you by better leaders, better schools who put out a great newsletter every Sunday called the weekend resource. This newsletter provides incredible value, sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources And I personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource because I can use it with my staff. Subscribe by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend dash resource. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Demetrius. And um, I, when we left for the sponsor break, I had hinted towards a story that I originally, I knew from one of our sessions in the mastermind and some, and some discussions, but you refreshed my memory, Demetrius, because it, it, it wasn't that on point. So you had to straighten me out in some areas, but it's a great story and it shows how important it is to, to set a vision, to cast a vision as a leader, and then to make sure that you supply yourself with the tools um, you need to get there. So I'll, I'll let you tell us the story before I, before I make any mistakes and you have to backtrack. So it has to do with a, your current assistant principal, is it? 
Yes, my current assistant principal. So uh, when I got to my school, uh, I had uh, two assistant principals. And then my second year, they took one, one assistant principal away. And um, the assistant principal that I had was, um, was, was ready to move on to another assignment. And so I had the responsibility and the opportunity to, to fill my assistant principal position. And, you know, I, I did kind of a self-assessment of, of some of the things that I felt I needed as um, as a leader, but then our school needed as well. Um, and I did kind of a checklist, like what are my strength areas? What are the areas that I need to improve upon? Or, you know, I'm not as strong in. And so, you know, I kind of went down the list and I said, you know, I really need someone that's really strong in um, uh, curriculum content areas. So English language arts wasn't my thing. I was more of a social studies. Um, I've kind of been in the math department um, overseeing them as I've as I've progressed through administration. Um, so I need someone with uh, that ELA background and I needed someone that was, you know, a, a strong leader that had um, a, a variety of backgrounds. I think one of the, one of my keys was someone that had experience within the district and outside the district, because I know having that experience of, you know, cause we're kind of like a destination district, like it, it, what we're known as and and folk come here and they stay here and they don't leave and if you don't have that perspective of what it's like being somewhere else i won't say it's detrimental but you just have this pie in the sky image of who we are when that's not the reality you need to have faced some adversity outside of our district because it's it's pretty cushy here and it is what it is it is what it is so so i i go i go got my list together and I reached out to, so I had um, a, uh, a former parent I, when I was an assistant principal at our, one of our high schools, um, this parent who literally was having an issue with her, her daughter in one of our departments. And, uh, and I won't mention the department, but this parent, this mom came into my office and said, you are going to fix this problem with my child's schedule. And I will jump on top of this desk if I have to. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we, we don't need to do all that. So, so long, long story short is we kind of worked out the situation. And and and, and the mom, mom said, like, hey, if you if you if we make this change, like you got to deal with the consequences. That's what she told the daughter in front of me, her, her daughter in front of me. Like, okay, this is interesting. Lo and behold, she's a she's a teacher. I didn't realize she was a teacher in our district. <laughs> I didn't realize the mom was a teacher in our district. So, okay, oh, so cool. So cool. So so later on, she, so I end up getting my principal job and she reaches out to me and she's like, yeah, I'm going to San Francisco Unified to be an assistant principal. Like, oh, that's cool. And so fast forward again to 2020, I reach out to her because I say, hey, I know she was actually in our district for about 14 years as a um, elementary and um, preschool teacher before she goes into admin. So I reached out to her. I was like, hey, do you know anybody that might be interested in an AP position? And so we're like, we're like texting back and forth. And um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, would you be interested? And she's like, <laughs> really? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, we've had, we've had a couple very interesting interactions and I know how passionate you are uh, about advocating for kids. And so... Um, and I didn't know a whole lot about her story, but she sends me her resume and like all the boxes that I needed to be checked, she filled those boxes. 
I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And so go through the whole screening process. And she was like, I had to have her in our interviews. And for what for whatever reason, I got some pushback from HR about the folks that I wanted to interview. And I had to go through kind of my supervisor and through HR director, like, hey, these are the things that I need. These are the things that we need as a campus. So, you know, because they because they, there were some folks that they wanted me to interview and things like that. Just that whole process, if you're familiar with that. So the long and short of it was when we did the interview, she was head and shoulders above everyone else. And I, I was like, we have to have her. And then one of her recommendations said, well, uh, you know, I have a little hesitation. And so HR took that. It's like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And so I had, I was like, look, she is the one. She is the one that we need here on campus. And we, we were able to hire her. I was able to hire her. And, you know, she's, it's, it'll be a, a year in February that we've had her and she has been outstanding. I mean, she has been, she is so detail oriented, which I'm not very detail oriented. That's, that's one of my shortcomings, but she's all, she asks great questions. She pushes me. She, she, she pushes our staff, you know, <laughs> she's doing so, all sorts of things to make our community better. And it has been uh, an amazing experience. And, you know, she, you know, we've had, you know, different conversations and, you know, and I'll, and I'll talk about it. We are the only two black administrators in our district of 33, 36 schools, campuses. I'm the only black principal. Yes, I'm the only black principal and she is the only black um, assistant principal. Really? And I don't know if, if, if race was a component of why um, there was resistance or what the, what the background was. But, you know, we, we had this conversation about, you know, her kids went to school in our district and she's like, you know, this is an environment. This, it, it can be challenging, you know, being a black woman. But, you know, I'm here. This is, you know, as comfortable as I, I feel. I've, I've been here for 14 years. Um, you know, this is I, I want to make strides and support all of our students in this, in this district, in this community. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back. And, um, you know, it, it, it was it, it felt good to know that she wanted to come and work with me. And just like I want to be, you know, a positive role model and be invested in our community, she is as well. That's that's a great story. And, you know, what a lesson for a lot of leaders. Um, I'm See, I'm, I consider myself blessed because I can push back on my superintendent, assistant superintendent, and they'll they'll let me. Obviously, I, I know where I need to stop pushing, but... You know, the idea that sometimes leaders just have to kind of put their feet down about, look, look, I'm I'm on the ground level here. Yes, you have the 30,000 foot view, but I know what the building needs according to the vision that I have. So that's that's good that you did that. Did you now did you have a conversation with her about why she wanted to come back and work? Oh, you know, we she did. Yes, we, we did have that conversation. And, and again, I think it was, you know, she grew up as an educator in our district. And she spent so much time and was invested. And I think that, you know, she is, is about creating an equitable uh, school environment. And again, with her experiences outside of the district, even though it was, it was a, she, she taught down in SoCal for a little bit. And then her admin experience in San Francisco, which I think was eye-opening for her and seeing some of the things that the students in, in the city needed and how 
those things kind of parallel to some of the things that our students, you know, we, we don't, we don't have a huge population of students that live in poverty and, and are, don't have a lot of resources, but those, those students that we do have, she's a huge advocate for them. And um, because of those experiences that she had, um, and, and I, I think that, you know, she's in a good spot and I'm going to you know, continue to support her. And I'm, I'm glad that she's here supporting me. That's awesome. And, you know, what another real important message for leaders. You're just dropping all kinds of gold <laughs> nuggets here. All right. the, uh, I mean, be, and besides the idea of the destination district, I love that saying. I'm going to I'm going to steal that if I can. But, but uh, the I, the idea that you've rounded out your admin team. You know, because so sometimes it's whether it's a, a and, you know, I don't I don't want to sound crass and say whether it's a confidence thing or, or maybe more of a comfort comfort thing. The idea that when you hire that person that's going to be your assistant principal or or in a level like that, where that's kind of stepping out on a limb that pays dividends, getting somebody that does not fit your mold is not you, but instead is on the other side of the fence than you, uh, for lack of a better term. You both have the same vision of what you want your school to look like, but you both have different strengths and approach it in different ways so you can push on each other. That's something incredibly important for leaders to hear that sounds like you did. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, just to, to kind of add to that is we kind of get, I won't say, say pigeonhole, but there's a certain, you know, kind of demographic and profile, if you will, of what the, I don't know, the standard is or, or what, what, you know, you, you see a typical assistant principal profile. I think that's what um, folks were looking for. And, and, I, and I think, you know, anyone that's doing a hiring process, you know, I, I encourage you to try something different, something different than what you've always done. Um, because, if you know, just like anything, if you, if you do the same, uh, go through the same process and go to the same sources, you're going to get the same results. And I think if we're going to make big changes in our education system, we got to do things a little bit different. We can't be afraid uh, to step out and, and do something different. And it's not about compromising on uh, expectations or compromising on qualifications or anything like that. There are folks that are super qualified that just don't have the opportunity based on are the, the processes that we go through. So I think it's important for, for leaders to, to, to hear that and, and, and not be afraid. Mix it up a little bit. And, and, you know, otherwise it's the definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Absolutely. And don't, and don't be afraid to go after that, that parent that you thought was going to cause a ruckus <laughs> or that did cause a ruckus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you to convince HR to go with you. Did you have to threaten to get up on the desk or, or what? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. But I was close. I was ready. I was ready to. And so the other message is make sure you get somebody that's passionate enough to jump up on a desk if, uh, if need be. <laughs> you know, you, you were a leader in the military. You're a leader in school. So I've got two questions I ask everybody at the as we get to the end of the podcast. So this first one might be a little difficult for you because it's something that you were you were born to do and that you've worked on on improving. If you were not a leader, who not what would you be and why? This is such a great question. You know, who I would be is I'd be a good follower, I think. Really? Yeah, really? And, and, I, and I say that 
going back to, to my military experience, um, that's one of the things that they teach you in your basic training is, you know, in order to be a leader, you have to be a good follower. You've got to follow those directions. You've got to understand that there's a higher, you know, mission. And I think that, you know, servant leadership is, is one of those terms that's out there. And I think that understanding what people need and putting other people before yourself, I, I mean, that that is leadership. But I think I'd be a, a you know, I've, I've always kind of been a rule follower and kind of go along with what's what's expected. And so I think I'd be a good you know, follower and supporter of someone that is a good leader. I always, I always want to be, um, you know, under or not under or working with someone that's, that's a good leader um, that, you know, you'll follow anywhere. And so I think in order to be a, to be a good leader, you've got to be a good follower. That's a, that's a fantastic answer that just has my head spinning about so many things. We'll have to talk offline yes, about yes. that a little bit, but no, uh, that's, I never even thought about that. Uh, you know, being a good leader, uh, you'd be a good follower. And that's that's what makes good leaders. That's that's excellent. I'll be chewing on that one for, for quite right. some time. So right. thanks, yes. thanks for putting that one in. <laughs> that's what I get for asking a question right. like go. that. There you go. <laughs> the last one, because I mean, this is all about, you know, the, the idea of supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers. And for the leaders listening to this, and even for the teachers, so they can... They can make sure they know what they're seeing. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower their teachers? Mm. There's a couple of things that I think about, and I think it, it comes from uh, Danny and Better Leaders, Better Schools. I think asking good questions is really important. Um, but in order to ask good questions, you got to be a good listener. you got to listen. And not just with your ears, but you got to listen with your eyes as well, because in those one on one conversation situations, you're going to read those eyes. You know, you're going to hear, you know, certain tones, you're going to see facial expressions and things like that. So being observant and receptive to your folks and being someone that they know that they can come and talk to, um, you know, I always you know, we, we always talk about open door policies and things like that. But what's the what's the use of having an open door if you're not going to be listening and you're not going to be receptive to what's coming in? So I, I think that that's really important for us as leaders to consider when we are trying to help engage, help empower, um, help our help our um, help our teacher leaders see see the lead. That's- there you go. That that was nice. So you tied that yeah, in. You know, in there. You know, was, just trying to just, just trying to work with what we got here. Hey, <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> I, um, you know, you talk about one of the things I love that you said at the end of that, and and I I really like the answer, but the what you said is as we work to help our teacher leaders, and really isn't that isn't that the end goal to get everybody to be a leader from their own spot wherever they are so that they can step That's forward. It. That's it. Hey, um, you know, I, I can't thank you enough, Demetrius, for coming on to this. And I, this is an episode, I, and I know I'm going to listen to it again, but uh, this is an episode people are going to listen to more than once, I think, just because of the, there's a lot of stuff sprinkled in it that can be taken. So if, if somebody does this and um, 
when they when they have a question for you or they want to expand on it, how how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, sure, I'm, I'm on Twitter uh, at Demetrius underscore Ball B E M E T R I U S underscore B A L L. Please connect, reach out. Um, I'm pretty active on there, uh, and uh, I welcome the the connection. I welcome uh, the conversation, and uh, hopefully, this has been an episode that's been. Uh, beneficial to folks. I, I'm I'm really humbled for the opportunity, uh, Dr. Jones. I know you are working hard on this podcast. I love, uh, you know, just seeing everything that you do uh, as as a school leader and connecting with you on Wednesday nights uh, in our mastermind. So thanks for this opportunity. Oh, it it was my pleasure. Every time I talk to you, whether it's when we first met, and yes, I still remember that in the mastermind and I ended up talking to you about standards-based grading practices mm-hmm. in social studies classrooms to any other time we talk. I, I just really learn every time I talk to you. So pleasure's all mine. I appreciate it and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.